I did probably three, maybe even four years with no salary to speak of. You know, and it's like that's wild, really. If if somebody was winning, there's no way I'd have done it. Like I started appointed in the backdrop of I remember the day before I went to the Girl Geeks event, well like the morning of the Girl Geeks event, I went to the cinema and watched the social network. So I honestly think I thought it was gonna be like that kind of story. <laughs> like no joke. Welcome back to How I Built This, the podcast dedicated to telling the stories of Scottish tech companies, the people behind them, and their journey. Uh, Today on the show, I have the CEO of Appointed, Leah Hutchin. Appointed is the world's smartest online booking system and has been built right here in Edinburgh. So first of all, welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having, having me. The second ever version of uh, of how I built this. The first one, obviously, with the Scottish Tech Army was kind of an interesting time with COVID. But one of the reasons I started the the new Scottish series is to look at like Scottish companies um, who are either just starting out or have kind of grown uh, and been a success, which is obviously a good description of appointed but before we jump into appointed and how it all came to be i had a look on your linkedin because obviously i did loads of research for the podcast and you come from kind of like a journalism writing background is that right yes um so prior to um my appointed adventure i was a magazine editor for a homes and interiors magazine so i was unfortunately made redundant in the last recession um so we're well set up to step bravely into this one um but yeah no i i was made redundant in 2010 and worked with lots of independent businesses doing kind of pr and marketing copywriting that side of things and then just kind of caught the bug and really wanted to start something of my own so hence that was the beginning of appointed do do, do you still use some of those skills do you think now like did that did they come in handy when you set the business up yeah definitely um i kind of always joke that like in a weird way all of my different because i've had loads of different jobs and careers um and i have a drama and theater arts degree which um is but yeah i mean it's one of those where i kind of jokingly um thought it had no, like no impact in in um, my current kind of role. But actually, it kind of does. So I specialised in producing. So that's like lots of kind of juggling different balls to a tight deadline and kind of having to kind of press go at some point and whether you're ready or not, the show must go on kind of vibe, um, which actually is, is, you know, very pertinent for a startup. And yeah, the the writing and that side of things, especially back at the beginning when it was just me, because um, Appointed was a very slow burn kind of personal passion project for, for a good few years, really. And I outsourced the development and kind of everything else was was down to me so ha- being able to write and being able to kind of you know build a bit of a profile for the company um and then we won one of the very first scottish edge awards so kind of that was you know big application on you know putting over why the business at such an early stage was deserving of kind of um government money and that sort of thing so so yeah i guess the the writing skills definitely came in handy yeah i think uh people probably underestimate 
the ability to write when it comes to like sales, for example. So, yeah. um, being able to kind of articulate your own point. Um, but also, like you said, I didn't even think about that. It's like kind of any sort of tender applications or award applications or, um, even just like an investment pitch. Like yeah. you'll need to be able to write something down well. Um, at yeah. some point so we'll look back at the history you mentioned a couple of little things there just in a second but for anyone who doesn't know what you and um appointed to what is uh what's kind of the best way of explaining it um so appointed is a scheduling and engagement platform is is probably the best and actually there's been so many so pre-covid i would talk to you about scheduling and online booking um and that's still you know absolutely at the heart of of everything we do um but it has definitely grown during the pandemic and as we've been looking at the different ways that people use appointed it's become more and more apparent that it is about companies engaging with their people and whether that's um, their customers or their prospects or their employees or really you know whoever that is but it's about engaging with them on whatever platform they're on on whatever device and being able to facilitate a meaningful kind of engagement point so that's kind of an online booking um, for either a call or a meeting or um, an event or really kind of whatever that might be. And so we enable businesses to put our booking tools onto their website, onto their social media platforms, internet, really any web enabled um, platform, and then just take bookings from from there. And then we manage the impact of that booking through, through its life cycle. So confirmations, reminders, follow-ups. Um, we've got a CRM system in the platform. Um, there's a digital audit trail, so you know who was, where, when, um, which has actually come in, in very handy during during these times. And so yeah, the the breadth of what we what we do has has increased a lot. Yeah, nice. Um, no, I noticed some of that. And I think I, I think I touch upon it in a little bit later, but some of the, the work you've done kind of since COVID as well. But jumping back to, I think this is right, kind of March 2011, I know you said it was a slow burner. Had there been stuff before then and March 2011 was kind of the, the tipping point of registering the company or, or is that kind of the start? That was a really early start for another one of those funding applications. So I started appointed with a £10,000 interest-free loan from Business Gateway back in two, back at the beginning of 2011. Um, and I had to register the company to kind of prove it was a thing that somebody should lend me some money against. But yeah, it does mean that we were registered ridiculously early with kind of hindsight looking back now, probably should have registered about three years later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to be able to get my hands on some interest-free um, loan cash, um, which allowed me to then um, kind of put that with my kind of overdraft and my credit card and everything else because I had literally, I mean, it's crazy thinking back, but I went all in at a time that I maybe shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, just did that in, in 2011 and that allowed me to outsource the, the first development work. And then I was kind of working alongside it, freelancing and kind of bootstrapping the company to to a ridiculous degree, actually. So it got to the point where I was working from the office of the developers who was using it was an agency in the West End of Edinburgh. Um, and I was working out of their office and doing 
free copywriting for their clients in return for fixing bugs in the software. So we'd had this great like barter system going on. It's like, well, if you can fix that bug, I'll do the web copy for X clients or whatever. And so we just had, yeah, it was um, very, yeah, startup kind of bootstrapping scrappiness. But um, yeah, it got it got us there. That's amazing. And I don't know, this might not be true anymore, but I'd imagine kind of back then with what the kind of Edinburgh and, and Scotland tech startup scene was like, you probably needed to be all in, right? Like there wouldn't have been a way of doing it kind of like yeah. half in, maybe still doing a full-time job, trying to do it at night and stuff. Like it probably wouldn't have got to where it is now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was very lucky that at, at a point at which it would have been way more likely that, that appointed would you know, become nothing. I kind of got embraced into the ecosystem that was really, really early at that stage. But I um, kind of my first touch point was I'd applied for a it's like a weekend sabbatical at, that Girl Geek Scotland was running. And I just happened to come across that, got accepted into that. And so just found myself in this wonderful world of other women who were wanting to either start businesses or who had businesses that were like had a digital stamp but there was all sorts of different businesses there um, and we had a weekend of just brainstorming and um, like learning and collaborating and it was just it was so wonderful and and from there I built relationships that then opened up doors to kind of information and, and opportunities and I ended up going into Entrepreneurial Spark at the really early days of, of that program. So just those layers of getting I guess embraced into a really nascent ecosystem of people who were like as crazily out of their depth as I was um, just kind of really kept me going and you know, you always you could always look around and somebody was having a worse day than you and somebody was having a better day than you. And that, I think, just kept me going at a time that really, if I hadn't have had that, it would have just been too hard and it would have been, it's always, you know, I always think that startups shouldn't really exist. You know, the odds are so stacked against you in those early days. Um, and, you know, for better or worse, as a non-tech founder, the odds are stacked again and you know there's lots of stats around being a female founder and all of these things you're like really shouldn't have existed but just the ecosystem was so so powerful and kind of just buoying along and and I'm still very lucky to count amongst some of my best friends the people that I met at that time so yeah I was really lucky Nice. No, we uh, we know Gogi's gotten really well at um, Cathcart. They're, they're a great bunch yeah. um, and doing some, still doing some amazing work yeah. um, so I don't even think I got to this point yet. So the original idea, like way back, you said it was kind of a passion project. What was appointed? I was going to say supposed to be. That's not really fair. What, <laughs> what, was, what, what was it going to be? And is it the same? Um, it was going to be. So essentially where it came out of. So I'd had the idea while I was at the magazine. Um, there'd been kind of a slow end to um, the magazine where, you know, the publisher had really fought to keep, keep it alive and my budget got cut and kind of being able to to use freelancers was dwindling the team actually got cut as well so I was just getting busier and busier and I used to do quite a lot of traveling and it used to really get my goat that I couldn't kind of book 
independent businesses so I'd be I'd find myself in Sterling for example and you'd be like oh it'd be so nice if I could go and get my nails done or you know you'd have a bit of time but you just wouldn't know where to start back at that point you know there was only really um you know places like Tony and Guy would have online booking but not really anybody else and so it just kind of it felt like a gap in the market of like well why can't why can I order a pizza online but I can't book a hairdresser's appointment or and then we were doing up our flat at the same time and it was like well why can't I you know go and book to I don't know get a plaster out or whatever so it was just you know a kind of personal um gripe but then kind of from there when I started it it sort of grew into more of just the the hair and beauty side and it kind of became a platform to connect sort of people looking for salons and people like the salon owners themselves because actually as I was talking to more and more of the businesses they wanted to manage the bookings but they also wanted to get more bookings and and that sort of thing so yeah it was so different like the business model was so different it was a multi-sided kind of marketplace um, play and the software itself was less kind of certainly less fully featured but also less important it was almost just the the tool that enabled the the two sides to meet um but then over time started running out of money <laughs> it's really expensive to try and do a multi-sided marketplace play because um, you have to get the businesses and the consumers and just yeah it was it was really brutal and I think being part of entrepreneurial spark allowed me to focus down and understand okay I can't do everything here um I had a a really brutal ideation session they used to be called with um one of the the guys who started entrepreneurial spark and who just kept saying you just need to pick a lane you can't be everything you know you're either a software provider or you're a platform that people can find salons you can't you know you're running out of money and like at this point I'd hired our first developer, so there was two of us in the company. I still wasn't taking any money from the company, um, but we were running out of of cash. I just had I had the thirty grand that we won in Scottish Edge, which was amazing. And you know, when I got it, like it absolutely saved. The, you know, that was another point at which I got an injection of cash when you know definitely the business could have failed um, without it or would have failed without it. But then hiring a developer started just the ticking time bomb of payroll and and that was brutal. So having to then focus, I looked at kind of what was in the business and and had to look quite dispassionately at what was in the business. And the big kind of IP piece was the, the software and the big bit that we weren't doing particularly well was the bringing new customers to the salons. So we had to take the really painful decision to switch off the the B2C side of things and just really focus on the software. But that was, you know, that was the lease of life that made the company what it is now. And like looking back, I feel so lucky that I had to make that choice out of, you know, the constraints that naturally are there in a startup. And it, it felt the most emotional and, and like hardest decision ever because it was throwing away so much work that, that we'd done but it was absolutely the right thing and it is it's led to kind of a business that's way beyond what what that dream was at, at that time nice um, and it's really good to hear those stories as well because i think 
like loads of the stuff you touched on, but I think people just assume that all of these like Scottish tech startups that you see kind of in the news and they're raising investment and they've hired people and everything, they just kind of assume that. I don't think people think it's easy, but like I don't think they really know yeah. like how hard it is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, and some of those think, stories are amazing. Yeah, I don't think ever you really do, and they, like I know talking to like founder pals, like a general theme is if any of us knew how brutally hard it would be at times, there's no way you'd do it because it takes so long and it costs so much money and it is like so many hours of blood, sweat and tears, but it is amazing. And you have to kind of get to that point of it being like, you're almost addicted to it. And then you, you're like, okay, well I'll just continue then. But if you knew at the beginning, you probably wouldn't do it. You know, if somebody told like me back, I did probably three, maybe even four years with no salary to speak of, you know, and it's like, that's wild, really. If, if somebody yeah, was crazy, there's no way I'd have done it. Like I started appointed in the backdrop of, I remember the day before I went to the Girl Geeks event, well, like the morning of the Girl Geeks event, I went to the cinema and watched the social network. So I honestly think I thought it was going to be like that kind of story, <laughs> like no jokes. Um, but I thought it would either be like huge success or it would be nothing. And I, it just literally never occurred to me that I would just like create a company and create a job for myself and then create a job for others. I don't think that occurred to me that it would be like a kind of one step at a time, long journey. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. No, it's, it's a great story. And um, you've mentioned a couple of times kind of initially outsourcing development, but then you kind of touched upon bringing in kind of a developer and, and like you said, that kind of payroll scramble. Obviously, the, you changed the kind of business a little bit and took the BTC side off, but what made you decide to bring that in-house and, uh, rather than just keeping it outsourced for a bit longer? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I think just having, A, wanting to build the kind of company that, did have that creativity in house like I'd had to outsource in the beginning and that was fine and it was it was just a means to the end to an end but but I didn't have the same I guess creative involvement that I wanted to have and as a non-tech founder I think it was it was really tough you know I think like it's not a, any fault of any agencies and we've worked with agencies um you know since working with appointed, although not really on the core technology. Um, but I think with an agency, you have to be really clear with your scope and then you have to like, you know, make sure they know what you're doing and they go away and deliver it. And I think the creativity and the collaboration that comes from having an in-house team and having everyone pushing towards one mission and one goal and just like the kind of unspoken kind of on the same page vibe that you get in a startup where you're creating together and you're you're making something and our team so there's 23 of us now and everyone I mean it's been harder since lockdown because obviously you're not in the same room but you do have that like unspoken kind of understanding of what you're trying to achieve and you'll overhear things that will inform stuff. We try to communicate as openly as possible. We have a very open culture and, and everything kind of happens in public Slack channels. We have total kind of clarity on, you know, where the company is commercially, where kind of everything is. So all of the teams, when they're making micro decisions, 
understand as much context as they can. And I just don't think you can get that when you're using an agency. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on one person in the team or a small kind of, you know, that that team that kind of controls the agency relationship. That just becomes so pressured. Whereas, yeah, it's so much nicer just being part of a collaborative team where we all bring our, our knowledge and understanding and we're greater than the sum of our parts. That, that summed that up really nicely. And this was also getting to choose your own technology. Like, uh, it's not the same with all agencies, I'm sure, but like, there's definitely agencies that specialize in like X. So yeah. when when you come to them as a non-tech founder, they're probably going to tell you to use that because that's what yeah. they're, they're really good at or that's what they're getting paid the most for or whatever it might be. Whereas when you've got your own team, like there's an opportunity to explore and kind of, yeah. if, if there's upgrades to be made, it's not because like they want you to spend money is because it's better for the platform so there's a bit more like trust there absolutely that's so true and like our tech team are amazing like the engineers are so talented our cto is so great like he has been so um we just celebrated his sixth year anniversary yesterday oh, um, no way so yeah totally so he joined really early he like joined the day after we raised our first investment round and yeah has just really shaped it he's you know we've we've always used kind of early emerging technologies but in a sensible way you know we, we've not been like okay we must go after this new shiny thing there's always a kind of measured approach but it's so nice to be able to be kind of yeah experimental and collaborative and that's meant that we can then attract amazing engineers as well because it's people who want to come and work on these technologies and work in the way that we do yeah no 100 percent. and you're making my job very easy so you mentioned investment I, I, my point was that you from the outside looking in it looks like you've been quite successful kind of raising investment but also i was going to ask if that had been something from the start but obviously when we've been chatting you, you kind of bootstrapped the life out of it so <laughs> I did indeed. Almost to your own detriment. Um, <laughs> but was the need for investment because you realised there was a huge potential to grow and you just obviously can't do that by yourself? Not many people, not, I mean, I doubt anyone really can when it gets to a certain point. Or were you approached or how did it all work? Yeah, no, it was very kind of, yeah, led. Unfortunately, no approaches were made. <laughs> it was blood, sweat and tears again. Um, but no, I think I recognised that if we wanted to do what we wanted to do, and especially, you know, going through that kind of starting to run out of money, starting to focus on, okay, this is going to be a SaaS platform. It's going to be subscription revenues it like the technology just had to be amazing basically that you know there wasn't any we couldn't go into it half-heartedly we you know we changed our mission to be around building a product that businesses would rely on to run a really core part of their business um and whether that's like small businesses or where we've ended up where it's a real mix of small business and enterprise but you know, it was just so important that we could properly invest in the product. Um, and so to do that, we just, we needed to to raise investment. There was no kind of way that we could see how we could start kind of building the kind of revenues that we would need to become sustainable. So, so yeah, we were very lucky. We raised our first round of investment in 2014 from Equity Gap in Edinburgh. So I had done many of the trips up and down to London and various places around the country and yeah then managed to raise just down the road (laughs) Um, but 
it yeah they've been amazing investors and we um we've gone on to add add other investors into the mix there we've raised um just over two and a half million so yeah it's been a it's been a kind of great journey where we've been able to attract attract some fantastic investors who have brought a lot more than just the money which has been amazing and it's been so nice to have our lead investors you know pretty close to us we have investment from the Scottish Investment Bank as well so across the two and then you know we've, we've also had investment from Investing Women and Apollo and so yeah, there's a good a good group of people around us who will um, bring advice and support when asked, and will bring us customers. Sometimes that's always nice when um, yeah. people people kind of bring leads or um, make introductions. So yeah, it's been it's been a great journey for us. Nice, and I think people probably assume that when you get investment, like not that you can relax, but like, there's a bit of a <laughs> there's a bit of a kind of like you can breathe now, there's some money in the bank. But often when I've spoken to other founders and, and kind of people in the same situation, it actually gets more stressful because before it was just like, it was just your money or lack of that was yeah. running the business. And now you're like, you've got someone else's money. Yeah, totally. I remember um, when we were raising our first round of investment, hearing Alison Grieve talk um, from G-Hold. And like, I find her so inspirational anyway. Um, and she was talking about, so you get the money in and then you wake up the next day, like you get the money in, you go out and celebrate and then you wake up the next day and like the investors are waiting for you to deliver the things that you promised in your investment pitch. And it's like, oh God, yeah, that's going to be the case, isn't it? And it, yeah, it definitely is the case. Of course they want, you know, everyone's investing for a reason. And, you know, I think we're very lucky in Scotland that there is a real altruism around investment and people want, you know, the best for the companies and they're, you know, they're generally investing, you know, for more than just that return, but the return is a big important part of it. So um, they kind of want that too, please. So yeah, I think there's definitely a different pressure there. Um, But there's also a different support there. You know, you've all of a sudden got a lot of other people who are really, you know, literally invested in your success and um, want you to, to do well. And, you know, for us at Appointed, while we, you know, we definitely are proud of having raised money it's definitely not the thing that we're most proud of you know we're we're way more driven by selling software than selling shares you know it's it's for us yeah we celebrate when we've closed a round of investment because it's a you know it's an important thing to recognize your hard work and that you've gotten to the other side of it kind of thing but I think it's definitely not the be all and end all for us and I think Sometimes it can take on too much of an importance. You know, we try and have the mindset of, and I think just very realistically, when you raise a round of investment, the next day you're back at the starting line. It's just a different race. And it's, you know, you've graduated, you've upskilled and gone up a level or whatever. But, you know, as we all know, whenever that happens, it does inevitably, there's new challenges that come and they get a bit harder because they're a bit more complex or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's not, the main thing it's just a, a means to an end yeah no I think that's a good way of putting it and one of the things I always I find really strange in the kind of startup world in, in Scotland actually and in Manchester where we do some work everyone has this obsession with like being the next tech unicorn and like I think people should be more obsessed with just like kind of like you said like building the platform or whatever that whatever their companies do and being really really good at it and like if that happens then great but like I wouldn't 
be sitting up at night trying to like work out how to be the next tech unicorn whatever like for whatever reason yeah I think that's true I think we kind of take the approach that if you can be the best that you can be at what you do then hopefully success comes from that you know you almost can't manage or devise your way to success you have to you know manage so for us we always say like the customer is at the heart of everything we do we're very customer focused with our um project design and management and such like and it's like because if we can absolutely delight our customers then there's going to be hundreds or thousands of people like them who we can also delight and that will lead to the growth and that's what leads to you know whatever success you have but it's like start with the thing that you can control don't start with the end goal in mind yeah no definitely we'll touch quickly on covid since we kind of have to it's still here but it seems like from what I was reading about, I think it was today or yesterday, but I was looking at something on the appointed LinkedIn feed or, or on yours. Um, and there's been a kind of slight change in some of the stuff you've done for customers kind of specifically around COVID. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, it's such a nice segue from my last point there, Liam. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it has, it's been so customer led. Like it has just been, you know, obviously when all of this happened, the world changed for everybody, didn't it? And and so we had a kind of, you know, I remember sitting down and having a chat, obviously on Zoom with um, the sales team and just being like, if you're trying to sell anything that isn't a direct response to how we help our customers or prospects now, like touch base with people, make sure they're okay, but know that you're probably not gonna close that deal at the moment. And so stop trying to like, you know, everybody has got a really urgent new big problem and nobody is nobody's kind of job is the same as it was a month ago so we we have a responsibility to kind of flex our platform and flex kind of what what we're delivering but at the same time we were just really lucky that our customers we have a great relationship with our customers and and a very open communication with our customers for the most part um and we were able to just really quickly they were coming to us and asking us okay i need to do this how can i do you know x y or z so um you know we had clients in the us where when california went into lockdown we were able to switch people from face-to-face meetings into um online virtual meetings as kind of pre-lockdown but when we were starting you know here in the UK to be very mindful of social distancing and that sort of stuff we were able to take our retail clients and just really learn from what some of our great innovative clients were doing and and help that to scale to our other clients so Space NK is one of our retail clients and they have just been so inspirational to us as a team as to how they took the technology and how they used it so they kind of put in buffers around their appointments so that they could sanitize down and kind of make sure that there was as little contact between their customers as possible. And, you know, they were putting in reminders that would have information about what, you know, what would have changed if you came in store and stuff. So it was so nice to be able to look at brands like that, that are, you know, real global leaders in what they do and see how they're using our technology and then take that and kind of be able to say to other clients, oh, well, have you thought about putting a reminder in or have you thought about 
you know, changing something within within the settings that made a really meaningful change to their business. So yeah, so that was that was brilliant. And then we've also just started looking at new markets as well. And again, has been pretty led by, you know, the problems that people are wanting to solve. So we're we're doing quite a bit of work at the moment around helping businesses to segue back into the office. So, you know, people are starting to, to think about that in some areas more than others. You know, there's, you know, a lot of people are back in the office environment in England more so than than up in Scotland where we are, but starting to be able to say to them, well, you can book, because we, we do quite a lot in the kind of service office space and co-working space, but for us to be able to say, you know, you can, you can have your employees book their desk space or book a meeting room a time that suits them you know where they are you've got like appointed software has a kind of digital audit trail in it so you can see who was in the office at the same time you can set kind of capacity limits and things so just you know we made some changes to the software but they were fairly minimal it was more about looking at what we had already and just saying what are the new problems that that this existing technology can solve and we've been really lucky to be as relevant if not more relevant in the hashtag new normal <laughs> <laughs> no that sounds amazing isn't it? some of the things i was reading about it, it i really i was speaking yesterday um with my director about doing this chat with you and and we were talking about how everyone keeps using the word pivot uh, <laughs> and most people don't uh, haven't really i don't think they understand what that word actually means yeah. but but you, but you guys actually have which, which is quite yeah, nice it's, a, it's an interesting one isn't it like i feel like you know, as a startup, or maybe, you know, who knows, but it, it feels like a constant pivot, all you're trying to do is like, find the problems that need solving, be opportunistic about where you can help. And I think that's actually been really nice for us in lockdown when it was, you know, pretty bleak and brutal. But to be able to know that we've been able to help some businesses, um, and some of them have been amazing. So we did a couple of of pieces that were just totally pro bono that were um, around helping. So we we did a project with um, Bikes for Refugees to change their service to get NHS workers into hospitals safely. So um, save them having to use buses and public transport, kind of a, a lending stroke hiring system that was powered by appointed that's amazing. Yeah, totally. We're being used by the Trussell Trust because obviously food banks have seen a massive spike. So Trussell Trust are using us and have a, a kind of referral scheme from kind of all of the, the community um, groups that will commonly refer people to food banks. They're doing that via making an online booking. And, and that was so nice, actually, because when we were speaking to them quite recently, they were saying it's given people a real sense of dignity. You know, they're saying like it removes the need for these red vouchers that that are used um, in in the food bank network. Instead of having to to go and get a voucher and having to you know see lots of people and then take this voucher in, they're able to just make an online booking and get all of the information as part of that, and then turn up at the time that that they're there. And it's you know really managed from a social distancing point of view. And yeah, for us, that was so amazing to be, you know, in all of the disruption of lockdown and kind of the the dark times and you feel so apart from the world, but being able to to put our technology to use in such a meaningful way was, I think, like really nice for us as a team. Yeah, that's amazing. 
and it goes quite nicely as well. This is almost like a uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the team. Two of my favourite topics kind of bundled into one: uh, recruitment and culture. When you bring in more, so you brought in the one developer, and then, like you said, you've had a couple of other people, and then I'm sure some big rounds of recruitment. And now at 23, how was it at the start of all of that journey, and kind of slowly letting go of kind of parts of like the thing that you'd worked so hard on for three, four years by yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not without its challenges. At the same time, I like literally love letting go of bits, <laughs> like because it means that there's somebody there who is like better than me. You know, I think all you're ever doing as a founder is getting through to the next stage when you can afford stroke. It's like acceptable to actually make a job out of something. So, the anything that's like vaguely in my skill set by which I mean anything that isn't developing basically <laughs> has sat with me over the years and then you get to the point where you're like cool okay we can afford to hire a COO or we can afford to hire our first proper salesperson or you know so you you grow the team like that always kind of just pushing it just about past the point at which it's comfortable you know and then you're like all right we really need to hire now and it's like it's super hard and we haven't always got it right I think we we take we've kind of learned the hard way to take a long time over hiring and a short time over firing if it doesn't work out we always do it with kindness and with you know like an open and honest conversation but I think like what we have found is if it doesn't feel like it's working for the company it also generally doesn't feel like it's working for the person either so it's always actually been a fine conversation and and will always help facilitate people because it is like I think in a small company like a startup there's a huge chemistry piece isn't there and there's like we're so aware we are we're not an easy place to work you know no startup is you're having to do so you're lucky enough to bring in a COO and then you're expecting them to do like the COO's job and the you know outsource legal team's job or the HR person's job or the marketing director's job you know there's always so much more as a startup because you're having to wear many hats so it doesn't work for everyone and and not everyone feels as comfortable feeling uncomfortable as as the people who succeed at appointed do you know we know it's really hardcore as part of our hiring we really like try and test for that now because it like it is tough um and we try and uncover like what people's superpowers are and how we're gonna unlock that but yeah the culture piece is huge isn't it yeah so i was gonna say is there anything either maybe you did at the start that you still do or or things that you've kind of learned over time that you kind of approach with hiring because there's something that you do you mentioned kind of testing people there and um or even just like if you were speaking to a founder who's in the market for their first couple of engineers maybe like what's like the way of getting it right uh, as much as you can like you said I think probably the biggest thing that we have found that is so so important is a growth mindset so it like if you have that and you have a willingness or not even a willingness like an active want to learn and to push yourself out of your comfort zone and that sort of thing that is what we found works at Appointed and and we've been very lucky to hire some people really early on in their career who have that in buckets and have just created the most wonderful careers for themselves with us and you know we love to 
develop people through we love to like you know build our team from within um so yeah growth mindset is absolutely i think the most important piece for us looking at our values and kind of you know seeing if somebody ticks those boxes and and then i think probably the other thing is our chairman always says if it's a maybe it's a no like with hiring like if you've got a niggle there it means it's not the right person so you know trying to be as like wholehearted with somebody so that they start off and you're just so excited for them and there's nothing there that you're like oh well i'm not sure about this bit so so it does make us quite high maintenance <laughs> as um as kind of you know part of that that hiring piece and and through the process but i think the more you can get to know somebody through the process the better as much as anything you know thinking about especially in lockdown like how much can you get to know people and you know so spending that time really getting under the skin and and having a bit of random chat we also have the beer test outside of lockdown um where you have to go for a beer with somebody after one of like final interview beer kind of thing where you're like yeah okay i would want to have more beers with this person um but that's had to go out in lockdown obviously i love i love that actually we um we my two directors i don't know if it was when they started this business or in their in their previous company where they hired as well they they made the decision to hire someone um, like while they were still in the in the building. So they said, like, oh, great news, let's just go out for a pint and, like, celebrate. And after two pints, they realised the guy was a bit of a... Oh, <laughs> he, he, was, he was a bit of a dick, so uh, they, I, they didn't hire him. <laughs> oh, my God, horrendous. So, so they, they, should, uh, they should have done the beer test oh, before... Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very rare occasion, but it's quite funny. <laughs> well, it's um, funny when you say that again, it lo- looks like you know what you're doing. Uh, when I say about like our values, we do say that we don't really, you know, we're not a rules based culture at all. The growth mindset piece is like so important because we then expect you to like work out what your job is and how you like make this company as good as it can be. But we do say our only rule is don't be a dick. So it's you know that's that's the main rule that we're checking for when we're doing our, our values assessment <laughs> I, I like that um so i mean that kind of wraps up in terms of into some of the culture but you mentioned before we we came on as well that um you've had to do quite a lot of like zoom stuff and like keep the team together as best you can and i know you did like the cocktail night and pub quiz and stuff so has that been quite has it been quite good in, in a kind of weird way yeah it definitely has i mean like you have to take a really active approach to it don't you and kind of say right okay what what do we need as a team and appointed such a touchy-feely is the wrong word but we are a very sociable bunch and we are we spend a lot of time with each other like our kind of weekly cadence back in the office is we have like a short team meeting every Monday or like squished into a room together then we have a Friday morning rolls and like breakfast together in our boardroom we then finish Fridays with show and tell and beers and stuff so so much of our culture is about like being together in a room and spending time with each other and like eating and drinking together and that's obviously just so hard to to do in the current time so yeah just trying to look at what what we could do there um and it was great like some of the team were were really kind of instrumental in that so putting in things like um working from home chill sessions where you know it'd just be like an informal whoever's around and wants a bit of a natter kind of thing we've done lots of 
pub quizzes, Goose's pub quizzes have been good for us at Team Appointed. Realised how little I actually know about the world, though. So that was yeah, and I realised that too, quite quickly. I enjoyed hosting the family quiz. I didn't enjoy doing them. <laughs> Totally, it's dreadful, isn't it? So yeah, we did cocktail night, which was brilliant. Sips, cocktails, very, very strong. Hangover the next day, all good. But yeah, no, we just tried to do as much as we could. And it's been a shame because we've had people leave during this time. I think, you know, a couple of people have had the the kind of look at their life and what do they want to be doing and, and one of our um, colleagues who kind of joined five years ago um her fiance has gotten a job in Canada so she's moving to Canada oh, so right. like you know we've had these real momentous so appointed nights out are usually they always involve karaoke at some point and the night ends with like us all kind of screaming at each other and yeah a, a sharing of <laughs> things which are just not allowed in in um, lockdown times. So yeah, it was really different and really sad to sort of go, oh, if we were doing this in normal times, we would be having a big kind of drunken night out and hugging and, you know, and instead we're doing it over Zoom. But you you do your best, don't you? <laughs> yeah, no, it has been weird for that. We've had a lot of chats about people who've kind of like onboarded remotely, but Mm. yeah there'll be loads of people who've kind of had just different situations cropping up and, and having to leave jobs and it will be weird when yeah there's no last day there's no like real yeah. there's no real kind of like closure on it really yeah, um, it is it's hard isn't it like we've had people start in lockdown as well and yeah you're like how can you get that that same feel of embracing within the team um so yeah, it's just a challenge, isn't it? And but there's definitely worse challenges, I guess, at the moment. There's people having having worse stuff go on. Pretty much. Last question. You might not even know the answer to it, but uh, what does kind of general knowledge for questions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the capital of? Uh, no. Um, what's the plans for kind of the rest of 2020, and I suppose even kind of into next year as well? For a point, is there? Is it kind of? keep doing what you're doing and add to some of the kind of things you've added during COVID uh, and, and keep the growth going? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we are really ambitious and the changes in the marketplace haven't dampened that. If anything, our opportunity in some ways is even bigger and is is bigger in areas that we would never have imagined. So there is a lot of like looking at the business strategically and saying, where do we focus our time now? Um, we've done a lot in retail. That's a really key sector for us. Um, and we're just coming up to that kind of peak season with Christmas and all that sort of stuff. So it will be busy from that side towards the end of the year, but it also quietens up with people. So we're then starting to look at what other sectors we can go into. Um, we're doing quite a lot in the healthcare sector at the moment, lots of flu vaccination appointments and things like oh, that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and that's been been really interesting as I say people coming back into the workplace and helping facilitate that we have a zoom integration so we've been booking lots of zoom calls for all sorts of different things um our favorite one was we were lucky enough to to handle the booking for Pat McGrath makeup artist and we um were the booking tool that had a sellout masterclass by Naomi Campbell during lockdown oh no way amazing. so starting to explore things like that as to like how can we how can we facilitate stuff like that that just wouldn't have been you know 
a thing. Um, we had a data graph and it's hilarious. There's a brilliant quote in our Slack. We had a graph of, because it's been so interesting to see bookings dropped, obviously, as soon as, as things went into lockdown. We're now back like way higher than the booking numbers when we went into lockdown. So I think that's, that's testament. Yeah, totally. Testament to like how many new customers we've brought on, but also just how many more bookings people are doing and how how much more there is management. But yeah, there's a brilliant quote from our CTO um, because there was a huge spike <laughs> because of Naomi Campbell's bookings went wild just over a really short period of time. It ended up trending on Instagram and all of this sort of stuff. So there was a really huge spike and he was like, oh, well, the graph's been ruined by by Naomi Campbell. <laughs> like, Words you thought you never would say in your life. Um, so, so yeah, who knows what what is next for us? But yeah, there's lots of lots of excitement, lots of creativity, um, and just yeah, lots more problem solving really, which is is good stuff. Yeah, that sounds amazing, and it just sounds like there's always the ability, uh, even though you're a few years into it now, but there's still that kind of startup very quick to maneuver. If there's an opportunity, grab it, uh, yeah. and I don't don't overthink it probably. Yeah, definitely. And it is hard. You know, we definitely have made mistakes with that as well. And we've done things where you're not able to, you know, that comes at a payoff, doesn't it? So you can't think like 10 steps ahead and then you get there and you're like, oh, we never thought of that. We're going to have to go back and do this. So we, you know, we very much have a fail forward culture. We try and like celebrate that and say, if you, if you do mess something up, share it and talk about it because it, like it helps us all to learn. So, um, but yeah, we love moving quickly. And and this whole, you know, as much as it's hard to find the silver linings of a global pandemic, obviously, but, you know, it has been great for innovation and it's made people have to, you know, some of the deals that we're, we've been signing and some of the like contracts and such like, they're things that have been being talked about for ages in companies. And there's always been just another thing to get signed off or whatever and all of a sudden people have been coming to us and being like can you get this live by Monday and that's on Friday you know and we literally yeah. have that so that you know from that point of view it's been a, a great kind of experience to to have that kind of reactiveness and that you know move fast kind of culture really tested and so far so good. Nice. Um, and then actually, lastly, where is the best place to kind of keep up with all things appointed um, on like social media and stuff? Oh, good question. Probably LinkedIn, actually. We're, we're quite active on LinkedIn um, and we get some really nice conversations. I like LinkedIn because we do get proper conversations with our customers and with people um, who are who are interested. So, yeah. And I also feel like LinkedIn has gone wild during lockdown. It just feels yeah. like really stepped up so yeah but we're we are on all of your traditional social media platforms so and we have a great blog actually that's I would love to have more people coming to the blog because we've been writing about lots of kind of you know it's not just about like booking and stuff we've been you know exploring that problem solving and and exploring different ways and kind of having we've been doing a few webinars and such like that have been on there where we've had customers just a bit of a coffee morning feel just a bit of a chat um and and exploring the different challenges that different businesses are, are having so yeah that'd be great all right fantastic well thank you very much for coming i uh, appreciate you're extremely busy so thank you for the time no thanks so much for having me it was really good fun um just a nice little trip down memory lane in some ways so it's really yeah nice. exactly <laughs>